brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. This is your FBI. your FBI, an official broadcast from the files of the Federal Bureau of Investigation, presented as a public service by the Equitable Life Insurance Society of the United States. To your FBI, you look for national security, and to the Equitable Society for financial security. These two great institutions are dedicated to the protection of you, your home, and your country. story of a peril to the nation. Escape prisoners of war. There are several million Nazis across the sea. Each one of them is a threat to the security of this country. There are several hundred thousand Nazis right here within our borders, prisoners of war. Each one of them who escapes is a threat to the internal security of this country because they are Nazis. And for us, for our democracy, for our way of life, Nazis have but one feeling, contempt. The FBI proved that less than a year ago by a case that broke on the morning of June 19th. Early that sunny morning, two soldiers, two G.I.s, were walking through a patch of woods on their way back to camp. Hey... Now look, Eddie, a rabbit. What am I supposed to do, salute? Gee, did you see him go? Boom, right into the ground. Probably crawled down a hole and sleep. Gee, he's just down a little hole. What are you pawing around for now? I always wanted to have a rabbit for a pet. All right, so you always wanted a rabbit. This is no time. Hey, Eddie. Yeah? What kind of a rabbit could dig a hole this big? A big rabbit. Come on. Hey, these leaves are just covering up the entrance to a tunnel, it looks like. A big sec, Mickey. Hey, it is a tunnel. C- come on in. I'm too tired. Oh, come on. What do you got to lose? Well, I really am tired. Where's your pioneer spirit? Yeah, where's your rabbit? Don't tell me. What's the matter? It stops here, that's all. Oh, that's great. Now, I suppose we crawl back like a couple of brave pioneers. Hey, wait a second. Help me push this thing up. One thing. And the roof here. Feels like boards or a trap door or something. Yeah, does. Come on, push. I'm tired. Now, will you push? One, two, three. Eddie, Eddie, you know where we are? Yeah. Right under that barracks and the Nazi prisoners. That was on Monday morning, June 19th. But the tunnel had already been used. During the night of the 18th, two Nazi prisoners had escaped. 
That was in Texas. And immediately, the FBI headquarters in that state were notified by military authorities. They weren't caught unprepared because special arrangements had been made for such an emergency. And the special agents went to work immediately. The newspapers, the radio stations, and most important, the local police of Dallas and Fort Worth were notified and given detailed descriptions of the two men. The police radioed warnings to all sheriffs and all peace officers. And broadcasts were also sent out over the Texas State Patrol's network. By late afternoon, the FBI was busy checking the dozens and dozens of reports which kept coming in. Dean speaking. Yeah? Yes. Yes, okay. Thanks a lot, Sheriff. All right. Well, that's another lead going, Phil. Which one? Those two fellas spotted fixing a puncture on a back road. Those local police sure get on the job quick. Age 23. What? I was just reading over the description of Tanner. Oh. Lieutenant Paul Tanner of the German Navy. Captured when submarine disabled by depth charge. Dean speaking. Yeah? Uh Uh-huh. I see. Okay, thanks a lot. All right. Which one was there? Those two men seen sleeping in that cemetery. Bad lead? Yes. Something's got to turn up, Dean. Yes. And you know when it does, Hackenberg's going to be easier to spot than Tanner. Because of that scar on his cheek. Yes. Well, with the whole state out on the hunt, there's got to be... Dean speaking. Yes? Yes? Yes. Thanks. Right. Bicycle was stolen from a house one mile from the camp the night of the escape. Bicycle? Yes, and the house was on the same road the prisoners took when they went on labor details. That sounds good. That sounds better than good. Two men on one bicycle. They ought to be easy to spot, Phil. If we can spot them before they get rid of the bike, let's send out a call. Right. Late that afternoon, a truck driver reported seeing two men on a bicycle on the night of the escape. An hour later came another call. A farmer had seen two men on a bicycle the morning after the escape. Then there were no more calls, no more reports. The search was intensified, but by one o'clock on the morning of the 20th, the two Nazis on the bicycle seemed to have disappeared, seemed to have vanished completely. Where were they? At that moment... At one o'clock on the morning of June 20th, they were sitting in a diner. Dressed in blue jeans and khaki shirts, drinking coffee, two escaped Nazis were sitting in an all-night diner in a small town in Texas, USA. You boys want anything with that coffee? No, thanks. You ain't from around here, are you? No. Just passing through? Yes. Where are you heading? Uh, east. East, huh? I know somebody's going in. Maybe we will have something else. Um, do you have any pie? Sure, what kind you want? Oh, anything that's good. You pick it up. Yeah, trust me. Sure. Okay, two pieces? Yes. Okie doke. Whitey, let me have two cuts of that peach pie. Okay. Now, Whitey, now. I heard you. Gee, I'm getting hungry myself. Scale me up a couple eggs. I just ate an hour ago. Well, I'm a growing girl. Scramble up the eggs, you cheapskate. Here's your pie. Thanks. Toast with them eggs, too. Peach pie, boys. Don't you? I don't think we want the pie, after all. But you ordered it. We have to go. Here. You didn't even finish your Come call? Come on, let's go. Let's go. Nice. Huh? How you come with those eggs, Whitey? Well, keep your shirt on. You'll get them. You can put this pie back. What's the matter? We think. Didn't they want it? They didn't want nothing. They even left the coffee. <laughs> Millionaires. Come on, make with the eggs. The griddle ain't hot enough yet. Park yourself. Can you ring this up? I'll keep the change. How much? Darn. You ain't going to charge him for the pie, are you? I guess not. 
what those guys rush out for. Now, how do I know? That griddle looks hot enough to me. You want your toast, though, don't you? And coffee. Uh, how about a steak, too, your highness? Ha, <laughs> ha. Very funny. Marty. Yeah? What's Tonkishin mean? Huh? Tonkishin or Tonkashine? What? One of those fellows said it to me when I brought him the pie. The pie he didn't eat, huh? Yeah. I think I'll have a piece myself. Oh, here. Tonkashin. What? Maybe that's French for what's your telephone number? French? Sounds more like German to me. Where do you get German out of that? Listen, when you want to say thank you in German dope, you say Donkey Shane. That's it. That's what he. Why? Holy crow. That diner was in a small town. But even the smallest town has more than one road leading out of it. And it's never long before a road branches into other roads, into a network of roads, into highways. As soon as the telephone call came in from the diner, the FBI and the local police drove out after the two men on the bicycle, after the escaped Nazi prisoners. They tried to cover all roads. They kept in touch with each other by radio. And they drove fast because they realized that even on a bicycle, a man can make time if he's desperate. Where are we now, Dean? About 20 miles outside of Vancourt. Must be awfully strong. Huh? Who? Whoever's pedaling that bike. Get this far so fast. And with a passenger. Yeah, if they're still using the bike. Or if they haven't ducked off into a field. Well, if they have, we should be able to catch them in the morning. The whole area's been alerted. They managed to disappear completely for at least 24 hours so far. I know, Phil, but if we... It is a bicycle, isn't it? Looks like it from here. You have your gun ready? Yes. Dean, do you see anybody on the handlebars? No. Well, tell me it's going to be a farmer out for a joyride. At this hour of the morning? Say. Huh? Pull over to the side there. Where are you going, mister? Pencourt. What for? Why do you want to know? We're federal officers. What's your name? Frank Johnson. Isn't it kind of late to be out for a ride, Mr. Johnson? Oh, my sister just had a baby. I rode over to see her. Oh, from where? Vancourt. You live there? Yes. Can we see your draft card, please? I'm sorry I forgot it. You know how it is when you get a call that the baby... What's the matter? Where'd you get that scar on your cheek? Germany. Where's Lieutenant Tanner? I really could not say, but probably very well taken care of. What do you mean? Americans are extremely hospitable and just as stupid. I think you'd better get in the car, Hockenberg. Captain Hockenberg. Captain Hockenberg. Thank you, sir. By morning, the Texas newspapers and radio stations had spread the report. One prisoner was captured, but the other was still at large. An escaped Nazi was still free, was still somewhere in the vicinity of Vancourt, Texas. The cooperation of every citizen was requested, and the response was fast. Report after report came into the FBI and the state and local police. Report after report was checked and followed up. The most promising came from a doctor. Well, gentlemen, I was coming home from a late call, and just as I passed that filling station outside San Angelo, I noticed a man climbing into the back of this truck. About what time was that, Doctor? Oh, I left the hospital at 2. I guess that was about 5 after. What did the man look like? Well, to tell the truth, I didn't notice him much or think much about it. Well, I heard the radio broadcast about the escaped prisoners this morning. Well, thank you, Doctor. We appreciate your help.
That doesn't sound like much help. It doesn't even sound like a real clue. But the FBI checks everything, every report. Special agents immediately call the owner of the San Angelo filling station. He remembered selling gas to a truck driver a little after two in the morning before. But he'd only seen one man on the truck. From the gas coupon, the agents learned the license number of the truck. From the license registration, they learned the name and address of the owner. And then they went to him to see what they could learn from the truck itself. You can see for yourself I'm here fixing a blowout like I was. Anybody could hop on the bag without me seeing them. Would be pretty easy, don't you think, Dane? Well, let's see if there's anything in the back to prove that Nazi was riding with you. Well, what you looking for? Oh, lots of things. Fingerprints? Yeah, but with all this cloth back here, I doubt if we'll find any. Surface is too soft. Phil, you have your flashlight? Sure. Stand it over here, will you? Is that your hatchet, Mr. Lang? Yeah, use it to open crates. You mind if we borrow it to send to our laboratory for a fingerprint check? Well, sir, it's all... Hey. What? That Nancy could have been riding the back of my truck and picked up my hatchet. Hey, I had a pretty narrow escape. Well, we don't know yet whether he was the one. Even so... Wait he... a minute. Sign that flash over here, Phil. Fine. Now, oh, this may be something. What? Sure. Why, that's just a little piece of thread. Here's an envelope for it, Dean. Thanks. This little piece of thread, Mr. Lang, is going to take a long trip to our laboratory in Washington. What for? They'll find out what kind of a shirt it came from. And I got a hunch it came from the kind of shirt worn by prisoners of war. The hatchet and the piece of thread arrived at the FBI laboratory in Washington on the morning of June 21st. That afternoon, the result of the examination was teletyped to special agents in Texas. From a small piece of thread, from one fingerprint on the blade of a hatchet, there was proof, conclusive proof, that the hitchhiker on the back of the truck had been Lieutenant Paul Tanner of the German Navy. But where had he gone? Where was he now? An escaped prisoner of war, a Nazi, was still at large in the state of Texas. We momentarily close the Federal Bureau of Investigation file of the case of escaped Nazi prisoners of war. We will return to this case in just a moment. It is the year 1872. A distinguished army officer, a young man with golden hair that reaches to his shoulders, is about to sign his name to an application for membership in the Equitable Life Assurance Society of the United States. The Indians of the Western Plains call him White Chief with the yellow hair. But you and I will know him better by the name he is signing on the equitable application. So let's watch his pen as it writes, George Armstrong Custer. Brevet Major General, USA. A name that has also been inscribed for all time on the roll of America's immortal soldiers. Now, we do not know what led General Custer to choose the equitable. But we do know that he showed sound judgment. For in four wars and through seven major depressions, this society has never failed to meet a single financial obligation. And for 86 years, equitable funds have marched in the vanguard of American progress. Equitable dollars helped build the railroad. They promoted the growth of our greatest industry. They helped grow wheat in Minnesota, oranges in California, cotton in Texas. So by serving its members... The Equitable serves America. And now, back to the file on Paul Tanner, escaped prisoner of war. When a convict escapes jail or when a Nazi escapes prison camp, it is fairly easy to catch him during the first two or three days because the trail is fresh. But after that, Just as rain can blot out footprints, the trail can disappear into nowhere. That's what happened to the trail of Paul Tanner, former lieutenant on a German submarine. The search continued all through the summer. Reports came in, but by September, Tanner was still free. Where was he? Still in Texas, 
As a matter of record, he was working as a hired hand for a farmer named Allen. Working under the name of Gene Meyer. Working to get enough money to escape to Mexico. Gene! Gene! Yes, Dickie? Gene, look what I got done. Hey, Dickie, don't start pestering Gene with those model airplanes or whatever they are. But, Pa, we want... He worked hard today and he wants to rest. Well, that's okay, Mr. Allen. Let me see what you got done today, Dickie. Say, Gene, are you going to have to go back to that hospital? Oh, no. Merchant seamen are like Army or Navy. We're pretty free. Should I glue this on now? Uh-huh. That's right. Still, it's funny they let you do what you wanted after you got out of the hospital. What do you mean, funny? A little further down, Dickie. Right. We're not making you go back to sea. I told you. I decided to work. Build up my health. Well, I ought to just pray that they let you finish out the harvest. Every time the mail comes, I... Say, that's no model airplane. Whoever said it was, Pa? Anybody can tell it's a submarine. A submarine? Where'd you learn about submarines? Gene drew the plans for it. Oh, it looks just like a picture, one I saw. Oh, nuts. Come on, Gene. We'll finish after supper, Dickie. You wash your hands, Dickie. I did. Wash them again. Oh, Pa. Well, that's a darn good submarine. I guess you... <laughs> What's the matter? Oh, I was going to say it's probably modeled with sub you was on yourself. And then I remembered. Remembered what? Mm, they don't have merchant seamen on submarines. Come on, let's see. <laughs> Sit down, Mr. Allen. Oh, thank you, sir. Sheriff Holster said you might have some information for me. Well, I don't know for sure, sir, but I... Well, I think my hired hand's that Nazi prisoner you've been looking for. What makes you think so? Well, uh, he's been helping my little boy build model planes and stuff, uh, you know. Yeah, sure. Last night, I got a look at something they were making. It was from some plans this fella drew. And you know what the darn thing was? A submarine. Submarine? Yeah. And I got to thinking about it in bed last night. It looked just like the real thing, and I was wondering... Excuse me, Mr. Allen. Sir? Yeah, look at this photograph. You sure? Why? Why, that's him. Let's go, Phil. Is this his room, Mr. Allen? Yes, sir. Where is he now? Well, I left him cutting hay down by, near the river bottom. I think I'll go over there. Right, Phil. Doesn't have much stuff of his own, does he? No. Nothing you don't see. Except that little zipper bag there. Let's have a look at it. Sure. Here you are. Huh. I wonder where he picked this up. It doesn't seem to be. What is it? Something in the lining here. Oh, it's a diary. Hmm. June 20th. We had a close call today. H completely forgot himself in a restaurant. He sure did. I am a soldier of the Reich, and I must get back to the fatherland. Did he write that junk? It's not junk to him, but to people like him, Mr. Allen. That's something a lot of us don't realize. Listen to this. These Americans are stupid fools. This miserable country will cry for help when the Fuhrer lets loose his secret weapons, and I will be there to help him. That fellow's crazy. Well, he's a Nazi. Dean. Yeah? He's gone. What? Not a sign of him in the field. He was there when I left. Did he see you go? Sure. Did he ask why you were going? Well, I said for supplies. Guess he knew you didn't go to town often and got suspicious. He must have cleared out right after Mr. Allen did. Why? There was a jug of water next to the mower, and it's full to the top. But where did he go? I don't know where he went, but I know where he was heading. Where? Galveston. He's got it in his diary. Thirty more dollars, and I'm ready to leave for Galveston, then Mexico. I guess he didn't wait for his thirty dollars. Mr. Allen, that river down there... Well, we'd take you to Galveston, all right. Once I rode there, me and Dickie and... Rode there in what? An old fat bottom I have. Did you have it beached right near the hayfield? Yeah. I followed some footprints down there. 
Your boat's gone, Mr. Allen. And that Nazi in it? Yes. And if, if he gets to Galveston... Mr. Allen, I don't think he will. The Brazos River winds its way through Texas to Galveston. And along its banks are reeds, tall grass, foliage thick enough to hide a man in a flat-bottomed boat. They hid Paul Tanner for the rest of that hot afternoon. But by nightfall, sheriffs, deputies, state patrolmen, local police, and citizens from all around had joined in the hunt. By nightfall, FBI agents were in planes and motorboats watching the river and keeping contact with each other by walkie-talkie radios. By nightfall, there was a moon. A bright moon that stripped the river of shadows and made it a clear field of vision for a plane flying above. Moving upstream toward the bridge. Nothing yet from up here. We're moving up too, Dean. But this boat's running low on gas. Well, you think you can hold out about... Wait a minute. Wait a minute, Phil. I just saw a reflection of moonlight on... Something that... Yes, there it is again. Looks like a wet paddle. Close to the right shore, heading downstream. It's about a quarter of a mile above Dead Man's Bend now. Just below Hempstead. He's moving closer to shore, though. Looks like he's trying to land. Come on. Give her everything you've got. There he is. I'm trying to make sure. Cut her off. Stay where you are, I'll shoot. I warn you, Tanner, stay where you are. I'll... Okay. Come on, jump aboard. Well, you led us a fine chase. Who's in command here? In command? Yes. I am. I'll hit At this moment, there are approximately 390,000 prisoners of war in this country. Most of them are Nazis, and each one is a potential threat to our safety. Alert citizens and cooperative law enforcement officers have aided your FBI in the quick apprehension of escaped prisoners of war before they could commit army acts of sabotage. But they remain a menace. Any information on an escaped prisoner should be reported immediately to the FBI. A Nazi may have been a prisoner in this country for a year or for two years. He may have had a chance to learn something about us, about our democracy, about our way of life. Don't think, however, that his objective has changed. It hasn't. He is still a threat to our security, still a menace, because he is still a Nazi. Young Americans are fighting and dying all over the world. So the question, what are you doing here at home to help win the war, is one that deserves a straightforward answer from every American citizen, from every American organization. Members of the Equitable Life Assurance Society of the United States may take pride in their society's answer to that question. In the Equitable Service flag are 2015 stars. Here at home... Equitable agents and employees are backing up their fellow workers and the fighting forces by selling thousands of war bonds in every drive, by giving hundreds of blood donations, and by performing all the other services that are expected of patriotic citizens in wartime. Of the funds that have been entrusted to the Equitable Society by its members, 44% has been invested in government bonds. In both the fifth and sixth war loan drives, the Equitable made the largest single subscription, each subscription amounting to $500 million. In wartime, Equitable dollars are fighting dollars. And at all times, they are security dollars. For you, your home, and your country.
statements used in tonight's broadcast are taken from the files of the Federal Bureau of Investigation. However, all names used are fictitious, and any similarity thereof to the names of persons living or dead is accidental. In tonight's cast, Tanner was played by Paul Mann. The music was under the direction of Van Cleave. The author was Lawrence MacArthur. And your narrator was Frank Lovejoy. This is your FBI is a Jerry Devine production. Now, this is Carl Frank speaking for the Equitable Life Assurance Society of the United States and inviting you to tune in again next week at this same time for This is Your FBI. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. There are no major developments in the war news to report. Any new developments will be brought to you immediately. Keep tuned to your Blue Network station. This is your FBI. This is your FBI. An official broadcast from the files of the Federal Bureau of Investigation. Presented as a public service by the Equitable Life Assurance Society of the United States. To your FBI, you look for national security. And to the Equitable Society for financial security. These two great institutions are dedicated to the protection of you, your home, and your country. Tonight, the story of a crime against society, the confidence game. There are some people who seem to wait for laws to be made so that they can break them. Break them and make money doing so. To those people, a curfew means a speakeasy. A price ceiling means a black market. A war means a high-pitched, gullible nation. They like war, those people, because they can make money out of it in a hundred different ways. Sooner or later, they all get caught, but they try. They try every angle that a nation at war provides, and they try it in the most innocent places. Places like... Well, take the sunny boardwalk overlooking the ocean at a resort near New York. Put your face up, Abby. Let the sun get at it. It only brings out my freckles, Lily, or else I start peeling. Oh, good for the bones. Oh, I wish we were really on vacation from school. But I can't help feeling a little guilty about spending money in wartime. I think of poor Mrs. Greenway and... Mm, She hasn't heard from her son yet? No. She's hoping he's a prisoner of war in Germany, but... I beg your pardon, ladies. I couldn't help overhearing you mention the name Greenway. Do you by any chance know the lad's first name? Well, I... uh... Forgive my rudeness, but I've just come back from overseas myself, and I thought perhaps... Oh, his name is Herbert. Isn't that it, Abby? Yes. Herbert Greenway? Do you know him? Yes, quite well. Oh, Abby, is he all right, do you know? Madam, you can tell the lad's mother to rest easy. Exactly eight days ago, the Russians freed him from a German prison camp. Oh, then he was a prisoner. Oh, oh it's so Lily. nice of you to tell us. Uh, uh, Major? Major. Uh, Major William Evans Roscoe, at your service, Miss. That is, I hope it's Miss. Uh, oh, yes. <laughs> uh, I'm Miss Tompkins, and this is Miss Bergen. How do you do? Most charming pleasure. You see, I happen to know about the Greenway boy because... May I sit down? Oh, oh, please oh, do. Of course, move over, Lily. Yes. Thank you. 
Now, as I said, I've only just returned from some very secret work overseas in connection with prisoners. I leave for Washington shortly to make my report. Oh, oh when? Well, not, not for a day or so. Oh. I've been granted a short leave, but I... Frankly, I, I don't know anyone in the city, and... Would you ladies think it very presumptuous if I asked you to join me for dinner tonight? Oh, it would be a pleasure, Major. Miss Bergen? Well, Lily, you know I promised the Perkins. Oh, yes. I'm very sorry. Some other time, perhaps? I'd like to. But I will have the pleasure of your company, Miss Tompkins. Well... Please, take pity on a lonely serviceman. You know, I haven't had a real meal or charming company for... Well, let's not say how long. Oh, Major. Yes? Uh, wouldn't you prefer a good home-cooked meal? Well, as a matter of fact... Oh, I'd be so honored. Well, I, I, I could Oh, please. It would make me very happy. And it's the least a civilian could do. Well, in that case, I'm at your service, ma'am. You know, Lily, there are two things about you that I find very hard to believe. Major. One is that you cooked that most excellent dinner all by yourself. Well, I did. And the other is that you're really not married or engaged. Oh, Bill. I look at you and I... Uh, what's the matter? I, I, I think I'd better go. Why? Because I, I, I can't do this anymore. Lily, forgive me for what I'm going to say. Bill, I, I don't understand. Can you understand the feeling of... Oh, lost time that war gives a man? Can you forgive it? Can you forgive me for saying, Lily, that... I love you? Bill, I... I, I know we've only just met, but I... I want to run out and buy you flowers, buy you champagne, buy you... Lily, I, I want to buy you a ring, an engagement ring. An, an engagement? Well, you, don't, you don't have to say yes this minute. You don't have to answer at all. I know it's sudden for you, but I want to... What, Bill? <laughs> Funny. Here I am talking of buying a ring and thinking of running out and getting one first thing in the morning and... I have exactly $47 in my wallet. But, Bill, that's... No, that's not enough, my dearest. Not for a ring for you. Oh, now, Bill, listen. No, 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 no. Let me think. My bank's in Philadelphia. Do you suppose they'd honor a check here in New York? Bill, I refuse well, to Lily, let you... Lily, what's money for but something like this, something with someone like you? Well, now, my army credentials... Oh, darn it, they're secret. Lily, if you endorse the check, not for much, say $50. Oh, no, no. I, I, I couldn't ask you. But why not? Why couldn't that's all? You, you... Well, we're going to be engaged. Oh, Lily. So what I have is yours. And what I have is yours. Oh, Lily, I really do love you. is filled with people looking for love. And people in love forget to ask questions. They don't care. Lily Tompkins didn't ask, didn't care, didn't know. Didn't know that when Major William Roscoe left her house that night with a check for $50 in his pocket, he walked quickly to the nearest subway station. Not because he was in a hurry to catch that train, but because he had an appointment. An appointment he had made that very afternoon. Miss Bergen. Major. Oh, Major, I hope I haven't kept you waiting long. I've been waiting all evening. Oh. Uh, that sounds like a pretty speech, but it's true. Did, uh, did Lily say anything? Oh, no. I knew she didn't hear us on the boardwalk, and if she had, I wouldn't have cared. I, I really never should have done this. I'm sorry. Oh, no. No. You don't understand. I mean, Abby... Forgive me for what I'm going to say. I don't understand. 
But can you understand the feeling of... Oh, lost time that war gives a man? Can you forgive it? Can you forgive me for standing here on a lonely subway platform and saying... Abby, I love you. The confidence game requires only two players. A gullible, rather lonely woman, for example, and a man with a great deal of charm and absolutely no scruples. It's an old game, but it becomes a particularly nasty one when a new twist is added. A twist of taking advantage of a war. Still, it's a game, and like all games, it can't last. Particularly when checks are involved. Sooner or later, those checks turn up at the FBI. Are these the checks, Robbie? Yes. Both for $50, and both returns marked no account. Didn't those women ask the Major for any credentials? They felt the uniform was enough. And the Army never even heard of William Evans Roscoe. Probably an alias. Yeah. Well, it's a low trick, all right, to use the uniform of a... Well, he won't be wearing it long. Has the laboratory reported on his handwriting yet? We're waiting for a teletype from Washington now. Fifty dollars from two school teachers, Two checks. And one within ten hours of the other. Which makes me think he's an old hand. I'm looking forward to that report from Washington on Major Roscoe. <laughs> When a handwriting specimen sent to the FBI laboratory in Washington is identified, the work does not stop there. In a sense, it just begins, because agents immediately begin investigating the man concerned. In this case, while the FBI was checking, the criminal who called himself Major Roscoe decided to leave the city and go to a mountain resort. It would be cooler in the mountains, it would be relaxing. And besides, there would be lots of women, lots of unattached, lonely women. Caught fire, naturally. There was nothing for me to do but bail out. And that was when the Japanese fired at you? Yes. Of course, I got the Purple Heart, but... But what, Major? Well, I'd, I'd rather not talk about it, Miss Hudson. Of course. Oh, I wish I were a man. Why? Well, I could have the kind of life you have now. Personally, I prefer the life I led before I fulfilled my obligation to my country and joined up. What did you do before the Army Major? Exactly what I wanted to do at the moment. Oh. If I felt the urge to go to China, the South Seas, I'd take, oh, $25,000, out of the bank and go. It always takes money to do things like that. I could probably go as far as uh, Chicago, I guess. Oh, oh, now, now, now. You must have more than $100 in the bank. Well, I do, but... Uh, how much? Just a little. Barely 7000 Well, where's your spirit of adventure? Take that and just pick up and go. Oh, yes. I've always wanted to. I've always felt that I... I... I don't know why I talk like this to you. I do. You do it because you know that... I understand. Yes. I think you do. Martha, can you forgive me for what I'm about to say to you? Say to me? For the... From the first moment I saw you, I, I, I knew don't. that... Please, Major, don't say oh, that. Oh, Martha. No, please. Don't you see how much it would mean to a woman like me? Don't you see how seriously I would take it? Martha, I know. And I know how I feel. You... You mean... Yes, Martha. You want to marry me? Yes, Martha, I do. Oh, William. What's the matter, my dear? I just never thought I'd be happy. And I am. I am now for the first time in my life. Later, another check marked no account turned up at FBI headquarters in New York. Another check signed by Major William Evans Roscoe. 
a check that Major Roscoe had cashed at a resort in the mountains. Now the trail, the path, the road that led to Major Roscoe was getting shorter, much shorter. But the agents went at once to the resort to see the manager and then the major. Well, really, gentlemen, if you can't accept a check from a major in the United States Army and a major who's been decorated and wounded, Lord knows what else... Did you ask to see his credentials? Well, no, but after all, his uniform... Unfortunately, the uniform is not enough of a credential. Not with people like Major Roscoe around. By the way, has the Major been very friendly with any particular woman? Yes, with uh, Miss Hudson. Very nice lady, I... Miss Hudson, huh? Miss Martha Hudson. We'd better see her right away, Leo. Oh, you you can't. She's gone, too. Too? Oh, yes. They both checked out yesterday, and he paid for both. By check? Yes. By check. You have Miss Hudson's home address? Yes, I'll get it for you. Check. A day too late. Yes, Laboratory report on his handwriting certainly indicted him. The Major has quite a record. He's been operating for almost five years under about 20 different names. I think we'll catch him this time. That isn't what worries me. What then? I was thinking of a Miss Martha Hudson of the report from Washington that the Major's been married twice. And both wives died almost immediately after the wedding. investigation file on the fraudulent nature. We will return to this case in just a moment. Since the dawn of history, men have been fighting to win security. First, security against marauding enemies. Then security against the despotic power of kings and nobles. Freedom of speech and religion, trial by jury, protection against arbitrary arrest and imprisonment. These are some of the great securities which our ancestors bought for us with their blood and their lives. In the last century, men set out to win still another security for themselves. It was freedom from money worries, protection against the financial uncertainties of the future. And to this end, in the year 1859, a group of Americans founded the Equitable Life Assurance Society of the United States. Their idea was that by joining forces, by combining their dollars into a common protective fund, maximum security for each individual member would be achieved. Self-help and self-reliance. Voluntary cooperation by men willing to work together in ways that benefit the entire community. That's the American way. That's the equitable way. By serving its members, the equitable serves America. And now, back to the file on William Roscoe, Confidence Man. A man signs an assumed name to a check and defrauds a woman of $15. He's done it before many times. He's never been caught and he sees no reason why he should be now. But the FBI has his record. They know his method of operation. And now, on a train returning to New York, they are finally on his trail. The description we got at the hotel fits the one of the report, all right. 5'11", 174 pounds, scars on his forehead. The manager said the major claimed he got those scars in the Pacific, fighting Japs. Well, it shouldn't take long to get to the Hudson woman's house from the station. She lives with a brother and sister-in-law. What? Oh, yes. What are you thinking about? Same thing you are. What that chambermaid told us? Yes. Well, just because the Major carries a gun, it doesn't mean... I know. I wish this train would move a little faster. So do I. That train was due in New York at 3.45 p.m., but it was ten minutes late. And at 3.50 p.m., Major Roscoe was waiting in the railroad station, waiting to board a train. Waiting to board a train with his bride-to-be, Martha Hudson. You 
sure you got everything, Martha? Of course, Edna. Now, don't worry so. I just wish I could be with you in Boston for the wedding. Well, I wish you could be with your sister, too, Mrs. Hudson, but on the orders you know, there's nothing I can do. Of course not. Stop getting so upset, Edna. Well, I can't help it if I care more about your own sister than you. Oh, my. Edna, now don't cry. I'm just so happy for you. There, there, my dear. Don't you think Martha's safe in my hands? Oh, yes, that's just it. It, It's all so wonderful. Oh, for Pete's sake. Let me have your handkerchief, Harry. Uh, Martha, my dad, I think we've got... Yes, William. Harry? Sis, I... Well, all the luck in the world to you. Thanks. I think I've got it now. Goodbye, Edna. Goodbye, honey. Goodbye, Major. Take care of her. I'll do my best. Harry, old man. Goodbye, sir. Thanks for everything. I can't tell you how... Oh, oh, the tickets. Holy mackerel. Here they are. Uh, Thanks for picking them up. Oh, forget it. Uh, You've got my check. Sure. Well, goodbye, then. Goodbye. Goodbye. You did enough weeping for a dozen weddings. I know, but I'm so happy for her, Harry. Yes, so am I. She always pretended that she didn't care about not being married, but... Sure. And you know, when it's your own sister, you... You feel kind of lousy, honey. Well, it's all right now, Harry. The Major's a wonderful man. He sure is. That was a beautiful ring he gave her. Must have cost a fortune. It did. Five hundred bucks. How do you know? His bank's in Philadelphia, so I endorsed the check for him. Oh. Hey, Harry, who's that man waiting on our front steps? I don't know. Gee, I hope... What? Nothing. Uh, Pardon me. Yes? I'm looking for a Miss Martha Hudson. I'm afraid you'll have to go to Boston to find her, mister. Boston? Yes, she just left to be married there. To a Major Roscoe? Yeah. Say, who are you, anyway? Special agent of the Federal Bureau of Investigation. Gee, Martha hasn't done anything, has she? No. The person we're looking for is the man who calls himself Major Roscoe. I knew it, Edna. I knew it was too good to be true. not a section of this country that is not covered by the FBI. Before a train carrying Major Roscoe and Martha Hudson could have arrived in Boston, special agents in that city were notified by teletype to be on the watch. When the train arrived, they were at the station. There was no sign of the Major or Martha Hudson. The agents checked all the hotels, the rooming houses, the churches, but there was no trace of the missing couple. A report was teletyped back to New York, and the special agents there immediately made another call on Martha Hudson's brother and sister-in-law. Mr. Hudson, are you certain that your sister and the Major left for Boston? I can't be certain of anything anymore. Harry. I'm sorry, honey. We know this has been a pretty bad shock, Mr. Hudson, but we're trying to find your sister. Did you put them on the Boston train? No, we said goodbye to them in the station. Maybe they got off before Boston. We're checking on that. But there's also the possibility they never started for Boston. I picked up the tickets myself. Did you see them? No. I just picked up the envelope, paid for it, and never looked inside. You say you paid for the tickets? Yes. Do you remember how much they cost? Sure. The major gave me his personal check for them. Here. Thank you. This check's for $20.38. That's the price. Yes, but that's not the price of two tickets to Boston. That's the price of two tickets to Washington. Why did you tell Harry and Edna we were going to Boston instead of Washington? Oh, just the incurable romanticist in me, I guess. This way we seem like two carefree youngsters running off to this hotel secretly. Oh, William, we're going to have such a wonderful life. Oh, dear. What's the trouble? In all the confusion of getting away, I didn't have time to get to the bank. I stripped myself of cash. That's all right. I have some. It's a fine way to begin our life together. What do you mean? Borrowing from you. Oh, it's not borrowing. 
Whatever I have is yours anyway. I wish you didn't have a single penny. Why? I suppose it's because at heart I'm old-fashioned, my dear. But I wish you were completely dependent on me. I wish you had to come to me for every penny. William, may I have your pen? What are you going to do? The pen, please. Here. Thank you. I'm going to make myself completely dependent on you because... Well, because I'm old-fashioned, too. But, but what's that check for? All I have. Oh, my dear. I knew... I, I, I knew from the very beginning that you were the woman I always... Who's that? It's a bellboy, I guess. I ordered some champagne for us. Oh, William. Yes? Major Roscoe? At your service, gentlemen. Would you step out into the hall for a moment? Who are you? Special agents of the FBI. William? Uh, just some military matters, my dear. Nothing to be alarmed about. I'll be back in a moment. Now then, gentlemen. I think you know what we're here for. My dear man, I really haven't the slightest idea. You mind if we search you? For weapon? Yes. Well, the only weapon I carry is right here in my pocket. My checkbook. What we'd like to talk with you about concerns checks and impersonation. Oh? We have quite a few of your checks. One endorsed by a Miss Lily Tompkins, another by a... No, you don't! Uh, my checkbook. I know. I'll take that checkbook, Major. What is it, 38 automatic? Yes. Handy little gun you had there, Major. Not quite handy enough, it seems. But you know, gentlemen... I should have known from personal experience that as a weapon, the checkbook is much better than a gun. Shall we go? Very often, people will believe things because they want very badly to believe them. But too often, other people, criminals, confidence men, will take advantage of this desire even to the extent of impersonating an officer of the United States Army. Every representative of this country, every government employee carries credentials. Credentials that you should examine carefully. This is a duty you owe not only to yourself, but to your country. And to the protectors of our internal security, the FBI. These criminals can be among the most difficult to catch. But with the full cooperation of the decent citizens of our nation... They can be the easiest. You will hear about the file on next week's case in just a minute. Yesterday, somewhere on the island of Okinawa, a young American infantryman stepped on a landmine. It blew up in his face. Today, both of that boy's legs are going to be amputated. Compared with his sacrifice, anything that any of us does here at home seems trifling. Nevertheless, while we can't do as much as the men and women at the front, we can do our best. And that best is vitally important to victory. So it'll be a source of satisfaction to equitable members to learn that 44% of this society's assets are now invested in war bonds and government securities. Recently, Thomas I. Parkinson, president of the Equitable, pointed out what this means. He said, quote, For every one of its 3,200,000 members, the Equitable now owns government bonds amounting to $490. For each member, an additional $220 is invested in industries and utilities which manufacture weapons of war. Plus $115 per member invested in railroads engaged in war transportation. That's another reason why we say that in wartime, equitable dollars are fighting dollars. And at all times, they are security dollars. For you, your home, and your country. Next week, a crime against our fighting men. War fraud. The incidents used in tonight's broadcast are taken from the files of the Federal Bureau of Investigation. A 
However, all names used are fictitious. Any similarity thereof to the names of persons living or dead is accidental. In tonight's cast, William Roscoe was played by Arnold Moss and Martha by Charlotte Holland. The music was composed and directed by Van Cleve. The author was Lawrence MacArthur, and your narrator was Frank Lovejoy. This is your FBI, is a Jerry Devine production. Now, this is Carl Frank, speaking for the Equitable Life Assurance Society of the United States, and inviting you to tune in again next week at this same time, for this is your FBI. of the American Broadcasting Company. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun? Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.